My guess is that most of you find the history of Israel just as confusing as I do. We start off in the Old Testament with a story about a girl telling a girl who'd been captured by the forces of Aram, telling the commander of the army that there's a prophet in Samaria. Now Samaria we know is obviously Samaritan, comes from the same roots. So Elisha was a Samaritan, right? But then he works in the name of the God of Israel. So you can see why I'm getting confused if you're not. <laughs> the two kingdoms had been one under David and under Solomon. And the Israelites were not happy with the way Solomon had grabbed all the power for himself. And they split. Ten tribes to two. The two that were in Jerusalem, that were ruled from Jerusalem, were known as Judah, and the other lot as Israel. Which is confusing because we think that Israel is centred around Jerusalem, don't we? At least I do. But anyway, when it says Israel, it means the area ruled from Samaria. For the time being. Because what happened was that they both, both the kingdoms fell. In the way that kingdoms do fall, I'm afraid, to foreign aggressors. Israel went first. The ten tribes were conquered. And the kingdom of Judah went on for quite a while. But they went on claiming the whole of Israel, and particularly the name Israel, the name you will remember given to Jacob once upon a time. And the ten tribes disappeared, basically. But of course, there were still people from them. They tended to mix with the invaders, but they claim still to worship the one God of Israel. That's disputed by the others. We're never quite sure, are we, when we hear accounts. History, is, as you know, is written by the winners. <clears throat> but the people of Israel, as it became, the little pair of tribes that survived the, the first assaults, despise this lot not only because they're broken away from them who claim the whole land but because they said they'd mix with the invaders they compromised their faith in God they were no longer true worshippers so those are the divisions that were there in the days of Jesus quite a long time later Surprising how history does hang on, isn't it? Although perhaps it shouldn't surprise us when we look around us in the world. Grudges stay for a long, long time over generations.
So, <clears throat> there's Aram, one of the many enemies of Israel. Most of the time the enemy of Judah as well. Well, sometimes of course the wars were between Judah and Israel. Which is what makes it all so muddling. But this man, Naaman, was definitely a foreigner. An opponent. And yet, of course, this captured slave girl had no option but to do her best for a master. She said, things are better in Israel. If only my master could go to the prophet in Samaria. Well, of course, important people don't go to prophets just sort of knocking on the door with some obscure house in the middle of nowhere. He goes for a letter for the king, from the king. King of Aram. To the king of Israel. Who ruled, of course, in Samaria. And it says, we want Naaman healed, please, of leprosy. Now, exactly what leprosy was is difficult to ascertain precisely. It was probably a fairly general term for skin infections which were visible and unpleasant, including leprosy as we know it now. Or I should say, as fortunately we don't know it now here. <laughs> it exists very much in the world. But the priests would rule that anybody that had a nasty-looking skin infection was unclean. Unclean meant something pretty serious in those days. I confess to being slightly amused by our newsletter when it said that an unclean church is a bad advert for a new priest. Um, I don't think he... <laughs> we use words in different ways, don't we? Unclean meaning there's a bit of dust around. Well, uncleaning meaning excluded from the people of Israel. Rather more serious. Anyway, Naaman would have been excluded from the Jewish people, but he was anyway. And he goes to Elisha and expect him to do something. Because he's important, isn't he? And Elisha sends a messenger out to him and says, go and, go and get washed in the River Jordan. Now those of you that have seen the River Jordan will know that it's not a particularly clean river. And of course Naaman's offended. I'm not a barn, I'm far, far better than all the waters of Jerusalem. What is the scenario I'm in? Of course they are. But that's not even what he was told to do. And it takes some very patient servants. And it takes a lot of civil servants to get the rulers in order, doesn't it? Do you notice? He said, well, you look, you'd have done something difficult, all right. All he's asked you to do is something simple. Why don't you, sir? So he does. And he's clean. 
And he says, now I know there is no God except in Israel. The one God worshipped by Samaritans and Jews alike. And Jesus, when he comes, says to his disciples, how many lepers were there in Israel in those days, in the days of Elisha? None of them were healed, were they? We certainly don't know of any. They wouldn't have known of any. The only leper that was healed by Elisha was Naaman, their man enemy. Oh gosh, that's pretty unpleasant, isn't it? God's healing doesn't come to those who deserve it, or even to those who pray particularly hard for it. It comes according to his will. And that's difficult to cope with. Because we reckon surely that some people deserve to be healed, and others, frankly, don't. But sometimes are. And Jesus didn't just talk about lepers, of course, about healing lepers. He was able to heal them. <clears throat> A number of different stories about that. But the one we had this morning was about ten of them. And they cry out at a distance saying, have mercy on us. Now we've endued that with all sorts of religious content, haven't we? Have mercy. The classic way of having mercy on somebody was to give them some money. Almsgiving. Comes from the Greek word for mercy. But Jesus was just all but ignoring them, same as Elisha had to Naaman. Oh, go and, so, go and show yourselves to the priests. It's their job to certify you're clean, not mine. And I wonder how they felt about that. <clears throat> it's the priests, after all, that have sent them off. They go back saying, we're still here. We're not going to be welcome, are we? We're told they went. And Luke tells us that on the way they were healed. I don't know exactly how he knew that. Because that was the last contact they had with Jesus, as far as, as, far as we're told. They went off to the priests. You've no idea what happened to them when they met the priests what sort of reception they had, but we're told they were healed. And I guess we know that because one of them, just one of them, came back. <clears throat> and he, of course, was in the worst situation of all, because he didn't belong anyway. What was he doing, going to Jewish priests when he was a Samaritan? What he did with the others doing, mixing with him? It's amazing what a level a disease is, isn't it? Ten lepers together. Ten people who wouldn't have mixed otherwise. 
but the one who didn't belong was the one who came back. And I don't know whether he'd been to the Jewish priests or not. Perhaps he hadn't. Perhaps he realised that what he needed was not the approval of some religious organisation, but to follow Jesus. But of course what he did when he got there was to give thanks. To say thank you. And Jesus says, where have the other lot gone? The answer presumably to which is they've gone to be religious. Well, I hope this doesn't count as a place of religion rather than a place of thanksgiving. That's what we're here for. Not to engage in some mysterious activity that we call religion, but to give thanks. <clears throat> it's what the word Eucharist means, as you're probably aware. To give thanks. For that meal a couple of thousand years ago that Jesus had with his disciples. And the disciples were asking Jesus basically to stay with them. And he wasn't going to stay with them in that sense. Any more than Elisha was going to come out and do something for Naaman. But he was going to stay with his church to be with us forever. First of all, in this meal of bread and wine, and then ultimately in his kingdom. Which is beyond my imagining, I don't know about yours. So, learn the lesson. Yes, ask for what you will. But don't presume upon God's giving. Know that you don't deserve it anyway. But ask away. But expect God to do things for you. And for those you love. And for those you hate. according to his will. And when you see him at work, give thanks. Because that's what Jesus approves of. And surely, you want him to approve of you. So let's give thanks together in the service and throughout our lives.